Minehead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday, the 19th of November 2023. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week Paul continued our series looking at 1 Thessalonians and he was looking at It's a Family Matter. The reading is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 12 to 28. So we're going to join Paul as he's given us an update about his throat. It's a long old job and the medics say it might be. Lorraine's take on this, just to let you know, was that the reason that it's taking a while is because 50% of you guys have probably been praying for my voice to get better and 50% have probably been praying for the Lord to shut me up. So I'm, I'm not quite sure where that leads me except to say thank you so much and I mean this genuinely for your love and your prayers and your support. They are truly welcome. Thank you. There are a few notices for the week. They're predominantly as per the notice sheet, uh, which lays out the activities for the church in the week. And suffice to say, if you would like to receive that notice sheet, or you are able to receive it electronically, can you let Margaret in the church office know? If she's not there, you can leave a message on the answer phone. We'd love to do that, because we'd love to kind of... uh, we've, We've worked out, really, how to cut our paper usage on notices to a minimum and the least paper we can use the better it is for the environment so if you're able to join us in that way that will be brilliant but it would also enable us to keep you up to date should there be kind of one-offs and stuff as well so if you're able to do that please let Margaret in the office know and if you want to know more about how that works and you're able to give us your details then just outside the door on the left hand side are some welcome to Minehead Baptist Church cards and you can give us your details on the back should that apply. Secondly to say this, uh, after this morning's service, uh, Marjorie's not very well so um, if you're able to help Kevin, hi Kevin, with tea and coffee that would be amazing. Um, uh, Otherwise it's kind of Kevin and Kevin. So, so if you're able to help, that would be awesome. As we meet and gather today, uh, just to remind you that Richard's preaching with a peep. Okay, some of you have asked me where. Um, let, let's just, I can't tell you because Richard didn't come back and say I could. But let's just say, think just inside the M25 and you kind of got it. So whether it's north, south, east or west, I'll leave for your decision. But please pray for Richard today as he preaches with a peep. And then the church he's going to are having a meeting this week, I think on Wednesday, to decide whether to invite him back to preach with a view. And just pray for Richard and the peace of the Lord in that process. Lastly but not leastly, Miles. Where are you, Miles? Hi, Miles. Hi, Miles. Miles is two tomorrow. That's an important birthday in a young man's life. So it'd be really good to, uh, because Miles is too, Miles, this is for you, even though I accept my pitch might be imperfect. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Miles. Happy birthday to Happy birthday, Miles. I'm not sure what, can't remember what being two on my birthday looked like, but I hope you have a really good time. It's brilliant to be with our church family, and part of this morning, we are going with our children in, going to be listening to some testimony about what God's done in people's lives. It's amazing to listen and learn together. And isn't God good when in the midst of family, he moves and he changes lives? And he works. Isn't God good, dear church? And if we have a good, good father, then we can come together this morning and worship. Roy, you're going to lead us in some worship this morning, I think, which is all about the fact that we've come to this place to worship our awesome God. Absolutely. It's lovely to come together, isn't it? Really nice to come together on a Sunday morning. But we have to, as I said the other week, we have to... Oh, it's all right apologize because I've just been reminded it's church at four this afternoon so if you're around for church at four please come it's church at four this afternoon there is tea afterwards so we will feed you as well worship over sandwiches Roy that's a good thing absolutely and cake and cake and cake as I was saying it's good it is good to come together on a Sunday morning 
And it's lovely to share fellowship one with another, but that's not the reason we come. The reason we come is to worship God. This is a song that we introduced a couple of weeks ago, and I'm, I make no excuse for playing it again because I want you to learn it because it, the, what it says in this song is so important, why we're here. Um, part of our worship is offering as well, so we're going to take up our offering as we sing our first song. Lord, we've come to worship. Lord, we've come to worship, and we have come to praise. I just want to tell you this morning that God is good. Yeah, God is good. I have been suffering with arthritis in my hands, very, very painful. And the doctor gave me some gel, which did help. But I was determined to only use it when the pain was more than I can cope with. And so, about the beginning of October, there were several days when I didn't use it. And then one day it was really so bad, and I couldn't find the gel. And I looked all over the house. Roy looked all over the house. We could not find it. I asked God to show me where it was. He's very good at telling me where things are that I've lost answer came there none. I went to bed and during the night the pain in my hands woke me up and I began to pray again, Lord please tell me where that gel is. Why are you asking me for gel? Why don't you ask for healing? So I began to pray but I only got as far I think something like Dear Lord, and I went to sleep, just like that. Well, next day, we were in the car, and I was telling Roy about this that had happened during the night. And we were were driving along, and he very gently and only momentarily took his hand off the wheel (laughs) and just laid it very gently on my hand, which I thought was a lovely thing to do. About five seconds later... I hardly know how to describe it. It was a sensation in my head, right in the middle of my body. And I began to wiggle my fingers and open and close my hands. And I I just spent the rest of the journey back home just singing praises to God. God is wonderful. He is so good, and I give all the glory to him. But I have to say, there is still some pain, very little, but there is some pain there. And I believe it's there to remind me of what he's rescued me from and also to remind me to give him the glory. God is good. Amen. It means, it means now I can, I can hold Jenny's hand. Without hurting her, wasn't that lovely? Yeah. Well, um, some you know, for the last three years since 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 lockdown, I've been suffering with chronic back pain. It's been excruciating. The only at one time it was just when I stood when I was standing, and then it happened standing and sitting. And the only the only time it didn't hurt was when I lay down, and I didn't fancy the idea of spending the rest of my life in a horizontal position. Um, and eventually, I know so many people have been praying for me. Eventually, I gave up, and I, I went to the doctors at the end of uh, the end of October, and uh, I wanted a referral to the pain clinic or back to the musculoskeletal clinic. Anyway, he said I can't refer you to the pain clinic because they'll send you right back here because we haven't tried any alternatives yet. So he prescribed some medication for me, which I picked up the next day, and. Uh, he did tell me, he said, you've got to build these up. He said, you start with one a day for three days, then you take two a day for three days, and then you take three a day for three days, and after that you take three. Anyway, I took one tablet the day I received them, and about 12 hours later, my, 
Yeah, sorry, my pain, my pain just disappeared. It was an incredible feeling to be without pain, to be able to stand, to be able to sit without in, being in a lot of pain. The doctor rang me a couple of days later with, um, with the results of another test, and I told him about this. I said, that medication you gave me, I said, that's amazing. He, I said, it's, uh, I took one tablet. I said, about 12 hours later, it killed the pain completely. And he said, well, that doesn't, the medication doesn't work like that. <laughs> So I said, well, I know that a lot of people have been praying for me. And he said, well, it might just be a coincidence. <laughs> but all, I, don't take, I don't take that medication anymore. I'm free of pain. I'm still sitting down because that's my age. But can I, can I just thank you, all of you, all of you for, for praying for me. It's uh, so important that God does answer prayers, but it's in his time. And according to his will and purpose. So as Jenny said, God is good. God is good. God is good. All the time. He put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good. We're going to come before our amazing Lord with our prayers of intercession, our prayers for others. Last week, uh, it was a pleasure to build a Jenga tower, or rather, for it to perfectly drop at the time when we needed it to. That tower that was made out of all of those things that are, are in the world, and yet, actually, how do we destroy them? Evil and injustice and pain and guilt and sorrow and worry. And one by one, prayer by prayer, if you take them out of the tower, the tower becomes so unstable it collapses. Do you remember that imagery? And those of you that have taken home, thank you for the two people that brought their bricks back today. Those of you that took home a brick or you took home one of the, the post-it notes, thank you for praying. It's an amazing privilege as a pastor to sometime read the ones that are left over. The ones that you don't see. And one of those bricks, it was, the end, it was the reverse, really, of everything that was bad. It was praying for something, and it, it really struck me this week, because one of those bricks had a post-it note, and it just said, victory. Or well, A, how insightful of our young people. Thank you, Lord, for them. Let's never give up praying for them. And B, victory. How do we fight that way in prayer, in a spiritual battle? The answer is really simple. We just pray. Or to borrow a, 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 a slogan from a well-known clothing company, just do it. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we'll hear of in a while, it says, pray continuously. Now, you may not believe me, you may not want to join me in this, but I'm going to tell you where I come from. You and I have the most powerful force in the universe at our fingertips, and it's called prayer. The question is, not can we pray, or indeed can prayer destroy the work of the evil one and the enemy, but rather, will we pray? Will we join the Lord in his work that he's doing throughout the world, in the persecuted church and beyond? I want to use this as a call to prayer. Psalm 55 says this, from verse 16. But I call to the Lord, and the Lord saves me. Early, evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. Friends, the prayers of God's people throughout the world today are effective against the overwhelming evil in the world. And we're going to pray. Let's pray for this world, and then we're going to pray for Israel and the Palestinian territories, for the whole situation there. But before we bring them to the world, the Lord, let's bring the world to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and therefore you are the Lord of Lords and King of Kings of my heart, of this place, and of the entire world. I thank you. That no one in this world goes unloved by you. I thank you 
But no matter what mistakes and errors and mess-ups we as humanity make, you are perfect God. I thank you that this morning we come, can come before you, our hearts full of individuals and situations around the world that need our prayer. And so I invite you, dear church, from the quietness of your heart, to lay what is on your heart before your Lord. To give it to him. To seek his guidance and counsel. To pray for his peace. Simply take that which is in you. And in your heart, in one or two words, lay it before the warlord. We pray for this world, Lord. A broken world where your people are persecuted for the sake of calling out your name. Where those that profess you as Lord are sometimes, Lord, even put to death. Imprisoned. Tortured. We pray for them. Our brothers and sisters in Christ the world over, for whom this morning worship may be the crying of the heart from a prison cell. May the church the whole world over join in the prayers of praise and adoration that come from the heart of the one that is persecuted. And may you be glorified. We pray for this town, for this place. Lord, this place needs you. Mine head needs the Lord. We long, Lord, to see your revival break out here. But we simply bring that to you, acknowledging it is your way and your timing. And simply saying, thy will be done. So from our doorstep, Lord, to the world, the whole world over, may this world come to know and love you, and may you be glorified and praised. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Friends, the Global Baptist Family, uh, the World Baptist Alliance, of, of, uh, you can go and find this on the BU website, have asked for prayer for Israel and the Palestinian territories. Baptists across Israel and those territories have come together and their request is for fervent prayer for your just peace. That includes the Association of Baptist Churches in Israel and in case you didn't know, there are 17 Baptist churches in Israel and the Council of Local Evangelical Churches in the Holy Land which represents 13 Baptist churches in the Palestinian territories one of which is in Gaza. Now that Baptist church in Gaza, as I understand it, is still going, still giving out, still missionally reaching out to its community. It's as if nothing can stop the work of the Lord. Together with one Baptist family across the world, we're asked to mourn with all of those who've lost a loved one or someone that's been killed or where they have a loved one that's held captive. We're asked to follow the path of peace and to bring the whole situation before the Lord. We're asked to remember the words of Micah, where we're told to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. I invite you to join me in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we simply use these prayer points as our prayers of intercession, acknowledging that the whole world over, our Baptist family will be praying too. We pray for a quick end to the conflict and that there will be a prevention of escalation into a larger war in the region. We pray that the God of all comfort will be with those who are grieving the loss of a loved one. We pray for those who have been wounded during the conflict and for those providing medical assistance. We pray for the safety and the liberation of hostages 
and pray for mediators who are working to facilitate their release. Pray for wisdom and discernment for all the leaders. That they make decisions that lead to everlasting peace and alleviate suffering. We pray that Christians from all around the world will unite in prayer. And that would be a demonstration of the love of Christ to all peoples. We pray for the safety of the local followers of Jesus. They'll be shielded from extremism and hatred, especially young people. We pray for peace, hope and security for the entire region. And that the sun of righteousness will rise with healing so that Israelis and Palestinians alike will experience a life lived in peace and freedom with one another. Father, I thank you that our Baptist leaders in, the Israel, in Israel and the Palestinian territories have been able to share their prayer points with us. And I pray, Lord, that in all things and in every way, you will be glorified in all that is happening there. The outcome would be yours. The peace would be yours. Father God, thank you that you love generously. And thank you that at this critical time, in this critical part of the earth, you are ministering. We bring our prayers to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. It's difficult sometimes, isn't it, to know what do we do? What do we do here in Minehead to help over there? Maybe the simplest thing we can do is the most profound of all. And I wasn't in, um, I didn't know Roy had chosen this song in this order, uh, the songs in this order, but this song talks about doing something profound. Right at the very first line, if you want to help, then just speak out the name of Jesus. Please remain seated in prayer or stand, whichever, whichever you're happy with. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We've, Jenny and I have just been doing the Bible in a year, and at the moment we're looking at the crucifixion. It seems odd doing it round around now, but oh, when you think about the gift that the Father sent us. I speak Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We're going to come to God's Word, and Joe is going to come and bring us... Um, our reading for this morning. Our reading this morning is from 1 Thessalonians. We're going to start at chapter 5 and verse 12. And the title is Final Instructions. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard, in love, because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. 
hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I charge before you the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. This morning we uh, continue our look at this amazing letter, Paul's letter, as he writes to this young church in Thessalonica. And we're going to be looking at the ending of the letter, as you just heard Joe read in 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians even, chapter 5. And next week we're going to look at the letter as a whole to kind of conclude our studies. And then, in my opinion, really scarily, the following week is the first Sunday in Advent. Oh my hat, Christmas is coming. However, <coughs> this morning, I would like to ask you a question. And it's probably the dumbest question anyone has ever asked of you in church. And therefore I need to, you to be prepared a little. So I'm giving you a little warning really, a couple of seconds warning, that I'm going to ask you a dumb question. And I want you to be really honest with me. I hope that's okay and doesn't embarrass anyone. Here's the question. Have you ever got bored whilst listening to a sermon? <laughs> okay. Have you ever got bored whilst listening to a sermon? I thought, how do I gather feedback? But props, I've just gathered. And I wondered, if you have never got bored whilst listening to a sermon. Can you put your hand in the air for me? Oh, you see. Never got, we need to learn from the saints, don't we, really? I guess they asked the question because, truth to tell, if I'm being honest with you about me, I had a bit of a hard time when I was at grammar school keeping my attention. I would be the one that would listen and kind of stay focused for a few minutes and then I'd be off, particularly if the teacher was rambling on. You know the sort of person? I'd be more interested in doing other things. Those other things incidentally would often get me into trouble, but that's another story altogether. And I remember one chemistry teacher summing me up. This is exactly what he said to me. He said, McCabe, I went to a school where they called you by your last name. Very strict and rigid kind of grammar school of its era. And this is what he said. He said, McCabe, shouting across the class, you have the attention span of a gerbil. <laughs> now, I don't know why he chose gerbil particularly, but I get what he meant. <laughs> I have no idea. Anyone know what the attention span of a gerbil is? Never thought about it that way around before. It, one thing I do know is it isn't exactly a compliment, is it? Okay, so there I am. I'm this kid at school. I've got uh, my attention's all over the place. I'm kind of a bit like that. And I tried to work out recently, when I was preparing for today, why? Why did, was I like that as a youngster? I think I've come up with an answer. Okay, so here goes. Here's my answer. They say, don't they, repetition is the mother of learning. But actually, I want to argue for me, it was also the father of boredom. Okay, if I'd heard it, I got it. Move on, please, dear teacher. That was my kind of ethos. Looking back, I wish I'd had more patience because actually the teacher was only doing what they were doing so that the whole class was moving and not just Paul McCabe. And by the by, when it comes to maths, I'd be really that way round. When it comes to some of the other stuff, it would be me they'd have to repeat it to to get the drift. Let me ask you a theological question of sorts, I guess. Bear in mind what I've just said about boredom. How many times have you heard the story of Jesus' birth? 
How many times have you heard that you're a sinner? How many times have you heard that Jesus died for you? Most of us were told that we were sinners, accepted that reality and that need for salvation years ago. And we've been certain of our salvation years ago. How many times have you heard the preacher talk about salvation? It's nothing new, is it? But does that mean we should switch off? And does that mean we could get bored some way, shape or form? Does it mean there's nothing to do when the preacher starts to talk about a sermon we already know the outcome of? Well, Paul answers that question in a very strange way today, so we're going to look at that, okay? And just because we're sure of our salvation, it doesn't mean we have to be bored as Christians. That's the good news of this morning. Hallelujah. Because we still have things to do. Well, I emphasize that. Because if we're being really honest with each other, we can simply live sometimes with that as our attitude. It's all okay for me, I know all about this, and we switch off. I'm going to spend eternity with my Lord, so between now and then I can just relax. I'll let others take the strain. I'll worry about me and my own, if you don't mind. I won't do anything at church over and above that which I really want to. If we're not careful, everybody else can do what's needed at church. But that's not what Paul tells these Thessalonians to do. Look carefully again. Verses 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Or to put it another way. Dear Christian, if you know the Lord as your Lord and Saviour... Paul is calling you to firstly have the right sort of attitude. Christmas is getting closer. If you've realised that already, can I release you of some burden and tell you not to think too much about the present you're going to buy me? It's okay, you can have some rest. In fact, don't buy me a present at all. You, you get the drift, actually. But Christmas is getting closer. And I always find it an amazing time as a pastor, a bit of a privileged time, because it means I get to go out in the community and kind of, they can't help themselves asking me a question, which seems to lead to Jesus. So this week, actually on Friday, I was in the town. Oh, there's another sermon there somewhere, I'm not quite sure where, we'll leave that one. I was in the town and a lady came up to me and I knew her from somewhere, I knew her from a shop. Um, she literally came up to me and sort of said, hello, Paul, hello. She said, it must be coming up to your busy time of the year. <laughs> right? As if the rest of the year is over. You get my drift. So, busy. And I was in. This is the in. This is the moment I can talk about Jesus. So I started saying about Christmas and what does she think of Christmas and all that sort of stuff. And you know what it's like, I know it in your eyes too sometimes when you're talking to me, when folk are engaged, but they're not quite engaged. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> but you know that feeling, don't you? That moment in life. And there she was, and she was sort of engaged, and on the same respect, she sort of wasn't. Oh, what do I do? How do I sort of bring her back, bring this conversation back to the Lord? I had an idea. So this is absolutely what I did. I slightly changed tack. And what I told her was, well, actually, it's already got busy. And I talked to her about the fact that we have an amazing group of people here that have knitted donkeys. And in case you're wondering what I mean, if you go into town, you'll find 51 of them. And yes, I have counted 51 donkeys in shop windows throughout the town. All with different names. Part of a donkey nativity trail for children. And this week, hopefully, praise God, all our schools, uh, sort of junior schools, and will all be delivered a, a wonderful nativity sheet where, actually, with mum and dad in tow, they can go around the town and find out all the names of these amazing knitted donkeys. And incidentally, just to let you know, they are all shapes, sizes, and colours. So if you saw, as this lady was to comment, the pink donkey, it's okay. You are not seeing something. It's really there. And we started talking donkeys. And then she was into it. Oh, that's what that is. That's, I've seen that donkey in the shop where I work. Is that what that's all about? And we started talking donkeys. It was at the moment when she cottoned on to the donkey that her whole face changed. And the sense of, oh my gosh, 
How do I get out of this conversation? Became one of engagement for her. What about our attitude? There's a challenge there to us, to you and I. What about our attitude? What will it be? To borrow two characters from my favourite Christmas story ever, and yes, I'm talking Christmas Carol. Will our attitude be a bit like that of Tiny Tim? Who despite all that was going on, all that was wrong in his life, the afflictions that he had, was still prepared to stand up and say, God bless you everyone. Or will it be like Scrooge? Who basically wanted to make sure he was alright. I look after me and my own, thank you. What's our attitude going to be like? It's into that reality... The God bless you everyone on the one hand and the bar humbug on the other that Paul writes. And he draws his letter to the conclusion, giving final instructions. And he says this in essence, if the church is to survive and thrive and grow in the world, even in the midst of terrible persecution that we were talking about earlier on, then there is a secret to it. And Paul would summarise it up this way. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. And you're going to say to me, well, how can I be joyful always? That's impossible. And of course it is, if we try and do it in our own strength. But Paul's point is made, it is in Christ. It's not in our strength that this is possible for a Christian but in the reality of God and who Jesus is. And if we rest our joy, rejoice always in the Lord, then everything changes. Because although circumstances may change, your situation and mine may be very different. You may be grieving this morning, or I may be. It changes everything because it doesn't rest anymore on what's going on in my life, but it rests on who God is. Circumstances change, but God does not. Rejoice always, not only in the happy things, but in the sorrows also. Now, you and I have a comfort of knowing this Jesus, that he lived and he died. We know that he uses trials, that we can grow in faith. And so we can thank God for all the circumstances, even in the midst of them, to pray for strength and to be joyful. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know where you're at. But I do want to encourage you, no matter what you're facing, to be joyful in the Lord. That's the attitude God wants you to have. To be a joyful Christian. You want to know how that works? Before I ever became a Christian, I remember one young man. You could not shake this young lad's confidence of the fact that he was loved by the Lord. And all I remember thinking as a, as a teenager rebelling against God, doing my own thing, using my fists around the place was, what is it that he has? He had the Lord. Secondly, you and I need to hold on to what is good. Okay, Look again at verse 18. No matter what Paul encourage, what encourages you and I to do, he encourages us to do something that's to hold on to. Something, God's good and perfect will. His way, as written in scripture, not our ways as defined in our heads. Not our ways as reasoned by humanity. Not our ways as, as argued by philosophy. But his ways as defined and given in scripture. His ways. To put this in a very personal way for you and to share some testimony... We've heard that before. Thank you, Roy and Jenny, for being open, honest, and sharing from us all. For quite some time, when I became a Christian, I thought I was happy. I was happy because I'd been saved. Hallelujah. I was very, interestingly enough, very happy to tell the whole world I'd been saved. That wasn't the problem. But what was the problem was that the word of God wasn't having an effect on my life. I would read scripture, I would see myself in those pages, I would know I had to change, and guess what? I'd shut the book again. Because I could still go on 
doing what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it, couldn't I? And then I heard someone at a Methodist church, tiny Methodist church, talking about finding freedom and real joy in submitting to God's will. And I remember the day, because it was the day I thought, well, okay, if you're being really honest with me, Lord, I'll take all that I have and all I could possibly do and be, and I'll lay it at your feet. And I'll simply say, thy will be done. And there, and there alone, did I find all that is good. And it made my heart rejoice, and it made me joyful. And you took me back to that this morning, Jenny. Because that was the moment, the very first moment in my life ever, I thought, I just felt this sense of, wow, this overwhelming with me sense of God. Thank you for the reminder. There's a challenge to you. Because every day since then, however much it sometimes pains me, however much there are times when I don't want to do it, I've got to tell you, every day since then, in a prayer I have, that is just mine. That is between me and the Lord. I go every day. May you be blessed, Lord, and may your will be done. What about you? Prepare to say thy will be done today. But more than that, more than that, I had something to hold on to. Verse 19 sums it up, actually. It says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. So the truth is, I could hold on to God's will. Now during this time the letter was written, there were false prophets all over the place. And just to let you know, false prophets lie. Did you know that? In case you didn't realise that, they do. They still do today. And there was this group at the time. And they wrote to the Thessalonians um, and they said, listen, here's the deal. Paul has written another letter, a secret letter that he's kept from you. Because he wants to tell the world that Jesus has already come again. But he doesn't want you to know because actually if you did know, you'd realise you've missed out on salvation, you were misled. Isn't that interesting that even at the time of this letter, people were writing to undermine Telling, in essence, the Thessalonians they were left behind on Judgment Day. But the only way you can overcome that, friends, the only way you can keep joyful in your salvation at that point is if you stick to the truth. And the truth was that the false prophet was exactly that. False. Do not put out the spirits fire, Paul says. Did you know I'm in the most privileged position in this church? Did you know that? Because I can see all of you. So I want to let you know, and I know many of you, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, this morning, as I stare out, what I see staring back at me are people who have a heart that in the midst of all of that heart has a burning heart of faith. I see a faithful people. That may stun you. Bearing in mind I started asking if you've fallen asleep in a sermon. I nearly said if you've fallen asleep in one of mine. And I thought that went too far. But you get my drift, okay? Burning. Asking you to hold on to what is good. The word of God. Do you know the saddest things, and I get to speak now, because of this small role I have in the association to many of the pastors around the association. One of the saddest things that's just true here as it is in many other churches, if today we said next Sunday we're going to have a shared meal, we'd have to have a list. And we'd have to work out if we, we'd have to limit the list and work out if we've got a big enough room. That's a truism, isn't it? If I said today, let's put a list up, those of you that are going to join me after the service next Sunday in prayer, or in studying the word of God, we'd be working out which smaller room we could use. To save money on the heat. That's sad, dear church. So sad. And I want to argue that you and I need to grasp hold of this thing earlier on. We said about prayer. Grasp hold of a reality. The faith that's in us. I could go on forever about that, but I'll leave it there. 
When you continue to learn what God says in his word, then your faith grows and you want to know more, not less. Paul says to hold on to those good things. Don't treat prophecies, he says, the word of God with contempt. Don't let go of them. They'll keep your faith burning brightly. Interestingly enough, there are also, according to Paul, things you can do to snap out your faith. One of the things here is if you look at uh, the words of verse 22, it says, avoid every kind of evil. And the word in Hebrew here for avoid is really interesting. Because in English, to avoid might be to swerve, you know? I want to avoid being in a crash, so we swerve out the way. But this word in Greek means something quite different. This word avoid means let go of. Okay? This word in Greek means let go of. In other words, let go of every type of evil. Let it go, submit it to the will of God, is Paul's point. If the Thessalonians had kept listening to the false prophets, their faith would have died. They needed to let it go and come back to the will of God. They needed to understand that the faith would keep burning if they followed the truth. And that applies to our world today. To you and me. Test everything, Paul says. Test what you're being taught. And if it's not in scripture, avoid it. Do you know the truth is, over the years I've lost count I think the number of people I've spoken to whose favourite type of Christianity is on a YouTube channel or on a TV channel and they'll believe everything that's said on there because this chap's got a big audience and a posh suit and a plane and if you're watching and you want to have a go back at me please feel free because the reality is what they never do, some, some folk never do, is test whether they're saying what they're saying is scriptural. Come on, friends, let's grow up. We need to do that. You need to avoid it. Now, I'm going to let you into a family secret since Lorraine's just at the back there. Sorry, Lorraine. Um, and it is this. I'm on a date after this service. How about that? Tommy's doing church at four. So me and Lorraine went... What can we do in a couple of hours? We're going to have Sunday lunch together, which is a real rarity. And I've even offered to pay. (laughs) What sort of a husband is that, ladies, you know? We're going to go and share Sunday lunch somewhere. And I'd like you to imagine that scenario. Imagine after this church service, not me and Lorraine, not going to put that in your imagery, right? But imagine after this church service, you go out, and you're going to go and eat the food you really love to eat. Wherever you're going to go, Everyone got their favourite place? Let me tell you, money's no object, I'm paying the bill. I'm not. Well, I'm paying... Okay, you got there, you've got the meal. The waiter is coming across to you. Your favourite meal is just about to arrive. And as they go and put it down, the waiter sneezes. (laughs) And this sort of... Let's just call them water droplets, okay? For want of a better expression, goes all over your meal. Got, got, the, got the imagery? And the waiter puts it down, and their words comfort you know when they say, never mind. And they walk away. Who among you would eat the meal? Why? It won't kill you, probably. <laughs> I don't know for sure. Why? Because to do so would be unhealthy. We'd ask for a fresh meal, wouldn't we? Why, therefore, do so many of us swallow the teachings of false teachers? They're unhealthy. Because they don't check with or comply with scripture. That's what Paul was calling for here. Incidentally... If, for any reason, one of the waiters sneezes in mine or Lorraine's food later, I promise to tell you next week. Is that all right? Not going to happen, is it? Paul says, avoid it. Avoid every type of evil. Let it go. And why does Paul tell us that? Not to rob us of our freedom, but to give us joy. God wants to be sure that you receive a steady diet of what God's word is, so that you can grow in faith. And the sad thing is, friends, we often wonder why we're not growing spiritually. But if you stop for a moment and you're genuinely honest, 
you often find it's because we're not reading his word or coming before him in prayer. We need to stay open and honest to the word of God and take all that we have in small measure or large and say thy will be done. And finally, Paul says in verse 23, we need to trust that God is going to keep us blameless. Do you know God isn't done? Did you know that? The real cool news is God isn't done. And the even cooler news about those words in verses uh, 23 and 24 is that this sea, this void, this word, right, may God himself, tells you that Paul's praying for you. Amazing, isn't it? And then he asks us to pray for him. Uh, I was 16 when I had a job for a few weeks. It was known I'd got this job in the bank, but that's another story altogether. Um, and just... To have a job for a few weeks was always the plan. And someone at the church were out at the time, they owed a plumbing firm. Okay, so they said, did I want to learn for a few weeks about plumbing? Incidentally, don't ask me now to do any because I've forgotten everything I knew. And there we go. And I went, yeah, thinking I could earn myself a few pounds. My very first job on the first Monday morning, he drove me, uh, or I followed him on my motorbike rather, out to um, this big country house enormous and he said that they were going to be put in for the first time in the 300 and odd years this place had been standing they're going to be put in wait for this flush toilets in and this was in the uh, the 1980s so just to let you know um, interesting isn't it anyway and i went oh that's brilliant thinking i'd be on the plumbing jobs no outside of this place and for as far as you could see were this series of red flags and he explained that the only way to connect the plumbing up was to connect the drains up. And what he wanted me to do was to dig the drain, the trench for the drain. Oh, Craggy. Told me it had to be like two and a bit foot deep and showed me all that stuff. He said, off you go. And what he said was, look, just come here, do your work, go home, that's fine, we trust you. Um, and on, sometime during the week someone will come and, and, and look at your work make sure it's all okay. So off I start. I worked really hard on the Monday and the Tuesday thinking, oh, crikey, you better be good for when my supervisor comes and checks me out. And Julie, on Wednesday morning, let's call him Fred, Fred came to check my work. I explained to Fred that I was sorry, I hadn't got it all done, um, but I thought I could finish that day. And Fred reassured me, he said, don't mind, never mind, that, that's okay, we just need to make sure it's done today. And Fred then delightfully sat on the wall, drinking tea, watching me dig the trench. Well, that's all Fred did. <laughs> the whole day I was digging the trench and Fred was supervising. Oh, you know, he's a supervisor. <clears throat> so the following morning, actually at 7 o'clock in the morning, when I was back in the office of this plumbing firm, and in walked the church member who was... Uh, managing one of the company owners there. And I told him, I said, I'm so sorry. I, I do apologise because I didn't get the work done until yesterday. And I relayed this story of what happened the day before. It was at that stage that his mouth started to drop. And I'm thinking, what have I done wrong? And this is what he said. To be honest, Paul, we thought the job might take all week. And actually, when we thought about it, we thought there might be a day when you'd need two of you to finish the job. So we'd sent Fred along to help you finish the job. It was at that point that Fred leant into me and he went, learn the lesson, son. And thank you for a great day of just me just drinking tea. And I went, wow. There's a point. Here's the point. In one sense, Paul's invitation to the church in Thessalonica and to you and I is for us to be like Fred. To acknowledge what Jesus Christ has already done and is already doing and to let him do the work. Because that passage is all about sanctification. The Lord longs to sanctify you and I. That is, he longs for us to take off sin 
and put on righteousness. He longs for us to grow in grace and as we do so to conform our will to God's will. Can you see? May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. It's not as if you've got to do the hard work because Jesus Christ has done and is doing the hard work. And that's awesome. Because if we then go to verse 24, um, we find two other things out. We find that Jesus is faithful. Do you know these words? He will do it. This is a really simple message for the day. And I'm sorry if you've fallen asleep. Or you've not been able to pay attention. You can write that one off to me. But because of that... The one that is blameless will make you blameless. All you've got to do is take the whole of you, submit it to God's will, and let him do the work. And if this morning you say, thy will be done, hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray, friends, as Roy and Jenny come to lead us in worship. Father God, I thank you for the reminder from Paul's amazing letter to the Thessalonians. I thank you. I thank you that there is no situation where you're not with us. I thank you, Lord, that our joy, our prayers and our thankfulness do not fluctuate with regards to circumstance or feeling. And for me, Lord, and I pray for all those who wish to, I simply come this morning and lay at your feet my fears and worries and anxieties that all of who I am, the very core and essence of who I am, and everything I do and say. And I simply lay them there and say, thy will be done. And friends, I acknowledge you not to say this because it could be the most dangerous amen you ever said. But I say that from my own behalf and just invite all those that wish to simply say, let it be, Lord. Amen. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire, do not treat prophecies with contempt, test everything, hold on to what is good, avoid every kind of evil. And may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Amen. Amen. We're going to share as a final act of worship the blessing together.
Roy, can I ask something? Is that okay if you keep going? It's very good, isn't it? But actually, if we're going to do this to each other, we probably ought to do this to each other. So I'm going to encourage you to move around, okay? And I realize that might make the end of our YouTube service a little bit kind of frantic and weird. My apologies about that. But actually, can I encourage you to turn around and give the peace to those around you. We're going to start that again as our final act of worship. There'll be no more after this. So please go and have a coffee with us. We'd love to hear more in fellowship. But we'd also love to bless each other on the way. The Lord bless you and keep you. To leave a comment, please go to minehead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening and I'll speak to you soon.